8.02 on a Friday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. Hour three brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting him on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. A uh, quick update from Bahrain. It is now 1-1 between Canada and Bahrain in a pre-World Cup friendly. Uh, Ismail Kone, the CF clubfoot Montreal sensation, who I think is going to be on the Canadian roster and might get a shot at playing some significant minutes in the midfield. He's considered the next one. So CF clubfoot? Club de foot. Oh. Yeah, but I call it clubfoot. Um, so, you know, Alfonso Davies made the jump to Europe. Uh, so did Jonathan David. So did Tejan Buchanan. Kone is supposed to be the next great like young Canadian phenom going over. So we'll keep tabs on that. That's currently going on right now. But we need to get to the Canadian Football League in this Western Final on Sunday between the Lions and the Bombers from Winnipeg. Who better to break it all down than Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. What up, Moj? You know, it's kind of funny you guys were talking about writing. I was listening to you guys online, and I don't know if you guys know, but I'm writing a column now for Black Press. I've been doing it for about six to eight weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. But I was listening to Bruff talking about his writing experience and how hard it was. I think I stayed up to like about 2 or 2.30 last night. Um, I did a podcast with Brendan Morrison and kind of decided to dedicate the column to Brendan and what he's been up to and the transition out of hockey. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Jason. I mean, radio is so much easier. You do the interview and that's it. When you write, you got to do the interview. And then, oh, yeah, I've got to actually write this out now. So. It was pretty interesting listening to your conversation last night. You should just uh, you should just read old Rick Riley calls. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of ideas at the back page of Sports <laughs> Illustrated, my friend. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, Moj, I get, we got to turn our focus to this game on Sunday. We've been talking about it a lot today. Yeah. Um, it is I, – I don't want to say it out loud, but I already did, so I'll say it again. This is, to me, the Grey Cup final just repackaged in the Western final. This has been as no disrespect to Montreal or Toronto, but I mean, if you look at every metric across the board, standing statistics, whatever, it's pretty clear that the two best teams of the remaining four are playing this Sunday in Winnipeg. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I think these are the two best teams. Um, to say that it's the great cup final uh, to me, that might be a little bit of a stretch. And I say that because, you got to remember how big this game is, and whoever wins this game is going to have to reset and refocus next week for the Eastern Division champion. So, um, yeah, I agree with you, but yet at the same time, I still think whatever happens in that one game in Regina, I mean, it's still to be determined. I've noticed that a lot of the talk from the Bombers' side of things is showing an awful lot of respect, rightfully so, but an awful lot of respect to Nathan Rourke and the talent level, uh, in part because I think that a lot of people were impressed with how he came off the foot injury and then was able to orchestrate a victory for the Lions uh, against Calgary on the weekend. Um, have you had a chance to watch Rourke this week extensively? How does he look? How did he respond from, uh, let's be honest, he took some hits against Calgary as well. They roughed him up. He got it out. He stuck through it. But uh, where was Nathan Rourke at in practice this week? Well, he, he looked fine. I mean, for what he is right now, clearly he's not 100%. Um, but we had an opportunity to talk to Nathan after the first practice this week on Tuesday. And it was interesting because I said to him, I said, was there any anxiety waking up Monday after the game and in terms of how your foot would respond. 
And he kind of chuckled. He says, well, kind of, but all the anxiety went away. So every Monday night, believe it or not, he gets an x-ray taken. Okay. And he said once the x-ray was taken on Monday night um, and everything was uh, fine structurally, he felt a lot, a lot more at ease. Now, compounding the problem is that he needs to rest to get the swelling down, yet at the same time he doesn't want to miss any practice time, doesn't want to miss any reps. So, you know, the swelling will go down a little bit, and then, of course, the swelling will go back up after he – practices and it goes down so it's kind of a no-win situation for him right now but in terms of where he's at I think he's he's fine or as good as he can be at this point uh the Bombers present a huge challenge obviously the record suggests it but the quarterback position uh it's going to be a far cry I'll do respect again I'm not trying to disrespect anyone but I'll do respect to Jake Mayer and Bo Levi Mitchell uh Zach Claros is the reigning MOP uh, best, this is a great season for him statistically. Maybe the best season of his career. So behind center, uh, the Lions are going to face a much more difficult task, I would say, than they did last week against Calgary. Oh, without a doubt. And you look at his performance against the Lions in week five, it was probably one of his best performances of the year. Uh, I think what the Lions want to do defensively and talking to defensive coordinator Ryan Phillips is I think they want – well, I don't think. I know they want to keep Zach Claris in the pocket. They don't want Caleros extending plays because he's extremely dangerous when he does extend plays, when he breaks contain or, or steps up into the pocket. And those times that it becomes street ball, as Ryan Phillips calls it, his favorite target at that point is Dalton Schoen, who's had an outstanding campaign for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, led the league in touchdown reception. So um, that, I think, is key number one for the Lions on defense is to – not allow Zach Caleros to extend plays. And if you go back to that game in week five, that's something that he did very well against the Lions in a costume. What else about the Bombers makes them such a good team? They know how to win. I mean, you know, it's it's a cliche, but they have enough veterans on that team and they have that culture that no matter what the circumstances, they believe they're going to find a way to win. I mean, you win back-to-back championships, uh, you're doing something right. And they have a lot of impact players, too. I mean, you know, when everything, when the cream rises, so to speak, you know, it's, you know, you always hear that expression, your best players have to be your best players. But when you have impact players like Adam Bighill or Willie Jefferson or, or Brandon Alexander or Caleros or this year it's Dalton Schoen, those guys step up in big situations when they're needed, and when they do, the Bombers usually wind up winning football games. They won 15 of them this year, 15-3, and three, like a sparkling record. So let me ask the question the other way. With Are there any weaknesses or are there any commonalities in just those three losses for the Bombers, maybe something that teams could pick out or something that cost them in those three, or is this just a team that's really, really good? Uh, they're a team that's really, really good, but I think if you're going to beat Winnipeg, I mean, we talked about some of the things offensively, and that was obviously to, to keep Caleros in the pocket. I think when you're looking at the Bombers and how you attack them defensively, you have to be able to run the football on them. That's not easy. Um, you have to be able to get into situations where it's second and four, second and three, and make those, as you know, they'd like to say stay ahead of schedule because if you get into second and long situations and all of a sudden you're allowing Willie Jefferson to pin his ears back or – you're allowing Sales or Jeff Code or any of those guys they have up front to bring it on, on a pass situation, you're making life extremely difficult for yourself. Uh, so with that said, is it safe to assume there might be a healthy dose of James Butler on Sunday? Well, I think if the Lions want to win, there has to be a healthy dose of mm-hmm. James Butler and or um, those extended handoffs that we always talk about, you know, like 
hitting Butler out of the flat, hitting Butler out of the backfield in the flats, or you know maybe checking it down to him over the middle. But you have to do something to allow yourself to get into manageable second downs. Because he did a good job of that against Calgary. Like he, I think it was what like twenty carries for almost hundred yards. It wasn't super flashy. There weren't any. I think there was maybe one run over twenty yards. But he was able to keep like you know all the cliches like keep the sticks moving or make your next downs manageable. But that's uh, that's understandable because he's been a really good runner for them all year. Well, yeah, but you know if you look at the numbers too, guys, his second half he's been outstanding. He has completely flipped it around in the second half compared to his production in the first half. Not that he was bad in the first half, but like the, the second half of the season, he's just been absolutely been lights out for the BC Lions. And you're right. He, he's not that type of runner that's going to rip off um, a 70 yard run or I think his longest run of the year this year might be like 35 or something. I mean, it, it's not that long. And most of his runs are like 15 yards or less. He's not that type of back that, you know, rips off a 40-yarder, rips off a 60-yarder, and at the end of the day he has 15 carries for 132 yards or something. He's just that constant churning, five yards, three yards, eight yards, nine yards, 14, 12, that type of runner. Do you think Rick Campbell will have any tricks up his sleeve uh, to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, I don't know if it's going to get it done with a conservative game plan. He had a he had one pretty good trick against the Calgary Stampeders, third and short, ended up getting a touchdown. Um, what do you think his mentality will be going into this game? Well, I think you're bang on. If they've got anything that they can use, they'll use it. I mean, they have to win this football game to get to the Great Cup. And, you know, it's funny, Julio Caravetta, uh, obviously our color analyst on the broadcast, had a conversation with offensive coordinator Jordan McSimmick. They had that play on third and short in their book in their playbook for two years. Jordan Matsimic told Julio that they've been sitting on that play for two years <laughs> looking for the right time to use it. And guess what? They used it. So, yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of aces up their sleeves. The question is, do they find the right situation they're using it? And not just the situation, but, you know, when you – and Jordan talked about this with Julio. It, the ball had to be on the right hash. The ball, you know, they, they had to be in this sort of alignment. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a perfect storm for that to occur, but the Lions got it and they used it. Will weather be a factor on Sunday in Winnipeg? I'm looking at the forecast, high of minus 6, low of minus 12. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be sunny from what I've seen. The, the one thing that I think I would be concerned with is not necessarily the minus 6, but the wind, right? Because if it's really windy, now that minus 6 becomes more like minus 15 or minus 20. So um, I haven't looked at the, the wind factor yet, but I've, from what I've been told earlier, I don't think it's that bad. So we'll see. But to me, that's the bigger concern if there's a wind and that minus 6, like I said, all of a sudden feels like minus 15. All right, Moj, uh, it's that time uh, where we where we do an Ask Us Anything for you. That's the time of the week. Ask I us anything every week. Ask Us Anything Friday. This is not necessarily for you, and it's not food-related. So you're going to step outside your comfort zone a little bit here. This one's from Matt and Abby. Ask Us Anything. Have you ever seen anything unexplained, like a Sasquatch or a ghost or a UFO? Anything happen in your life where you're like, that is crazy. I cannot explain that. I now believe in ghosts or aliens or whatever. Anything in your life? No. Oh, that's boring. Off the top of my head, no. Oh. 
Do you? But, okay, you know, here's here, follow up question. Follow up question. Well, hold on. When I was a kid, though, like <laughs> we'd always go like up to Kelowna and Kamloops, like you know, this little summer getaways for the weekends and stuff. I would be glued looking to the side of the road, like looking into the hills for a Sasquatch. Right. Yeah. What about Ogopogo? Yeah, if you my kid did that with Ogopogo this summer. No. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, bet he, I bet he had like I think that's it yeah. a couple times. Is that is that one? <laughs> he thought he caught that's it. That's a wave. He thought he caught it once. I'm like, eh, I don't think the Ogopogo is going to fit your kitty rod there, bud. My follow up question is: Do you believe in aliens or ghosts? Yes. <laughs> which, <laughs> which which one? Aliens, ghosts, both? Both. Really? I mean, there's there's just too much stuff going on to think that it's all a fraud or all a hoax. Same thing with ghosts, right? What do you mean um, too much stuff going on? Is that that's like a many people say that there are ghosts. Well, no, but I mean, like you know, you see these these videos of airline pilots looking at lights in the sky and not being able to identify them. I've seen videos of fighter pilots looking at unidentified flying objects. I mean, there's just too many of those things right. that are out there. That you know that I just can't believe that it's a hoax. I actually believe that it has to exist. Same thing with with ghosts. I'm going down to New Orleans after the Great Cup, <laughs> and you know, reading some of the stories there about haunted places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the burb the the new it's kind of it's called the Bourbon Hotel, the Bourbon Orleans Hotel, which is supposedly haunted. So again, there's just too many stories from too many different people telling you that you know these things are actually occurring. I'm with you, Moj. I believe too. I'm a believer. Yeah, no you kidding. You still believe in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Andy, Andy I still believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, Moj, I'm with you as well. The truth is out there. We just have to find it. Hey, enjoy the game on Sunday. Have a good call. Uh, we'll do this again next Friday. Thanks, fellas. Go Canada when it comes to soccer. 1-1 uh, still, but I agree. Go Canada, go. Thanks, Moj. That's Bob the Moj okay. Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great select selection, just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. I mentioned Canada still 1-1 with Bahrain, 42nd minute. Uh, it's very rare that we actually get live sporting events on the Halford and Bruff Show in the morning. Not a lot of events go between the hours of 6 and 9 a.m. Have you guys ever seen a ghost or a UFO or anything no. crazy like that? Anything um, happen like that in your no. lives? I think I've seen some like inexplicable stuff, but I, my mind's never gone to being like, I just witnessed the paranormal or okay. the supernatural or anything. Yeah, same. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I wish I have. I don't know. Nah, I don't that that, cool. that's, that stuff freaks me out, yeah. to be honest. That, <laughs> I think that's partly why my mind won't go there mm-hmm. is I get like just too freaked out at the, the potential impossibility. Aliens are far more likely than ghosts. Yes, to be real. I agree. Because aliens, there's a science to that, whereas ghosts is like, well, it's just. Well, aliens, if you we have think no of way the universe, of... it's infinite, right? There's so it's probable. Probably, probably something out there, right? Yeah, but probable. That's if you yeah. believe in the concept of infinity. That's or true. ghost aliens. That's true. Well, are there? Yeah, that's true. When aliens die, are there ghosts of aliens? Mm-hmm. And maybe have we seen ghost aliens? How deep does this rabbit hole go? <laughs> uh, Chayton and Surrey with an Ask Us Anything. It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff show. If you've got any questions for us, and this literally means any questions, sports, entertainment, life, aliens. Love. Love. Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Chayton and Surrey has a sports one. Who should have the biggest gripe for being snubbed of a major individual NHL award? Is it Daniel Sedin losing the heart to Corey Perry in 2011 or Luongo not winning a Vesna ever and finishing second for the heart yeah. in 2007? I saw this one. It's I a think great Luongo for sure. 
here's the Milwaukee, thing about never having a Vesna is I don't know that just seems wrong. He, he, I, I understand. It's a great question. First off, so good job, Chayton and Surrey. Um, I understand the 2011 heart because if I'm not mistaken, Daniel won what is now the Ted Lindsay, uh, the Lester B. Pearson at the time, which is basically the most outstanding player. Was that the, the season where Corey Hart went on uh, Corey Hart, Corey Perry went on that. He wore sunglasses at night and yeah, then scored was, a bunch of goals at the end of the season. He broke out of his box. Um, yeah. He scored 50 goals that year. Right. And which, I, was, which was like crazy at the time. That's he 50 was, goals. He, imagine. He wasn't the leading point getter in the NHL. That of course was Daniel Sedin who had 104, but Perry went on a crazy heater at the end of the year finished with 50. I kind of remember him breaking the 50 barrier and just getting there in dramatic fashion very late in the year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said that propelled the vote, not realizing that the votes had already been cast like well before that. What is the the, the biggest honor that Luongo ever received in, in terms of awards? Individual award? Not, I'm just, not like, much. He, I guess he shared the Jennings with with uh, Schneider. Schneider in 2011, but that's kind of like winning the scoring race. Isn't that just the lowest... Is that just the lowest goals against? Roberto Luongo not winning. He won a, a Scotiabank fa- Fan Fave Award yeah, in that, 2009. Wasn't it the year he lost to Brodeur where everyone was like, how did he not win the Vesna that they year? They gave Brodeur, because this stupid award is voted on by the yeah. stupid general managers, which mm-hmm. is, I don't understand why, but um, they gave Brodeur one of those lifetime achievement Vesnas exactly. he, for the exact same year where Luongo was clearly, oh, yeah, he was clearly like, the most valuable goalie yeah. in the league. like uh, Dominating. Brodeur had really good numbers. Don't get me wrong. Like it wasn't like he wasn't deserving, but this, the Canucks were nowhere without Luongo that year to the point where you could have made an argument that he was the most valuable player in the league. Was that the For, Dallas playoff year, or was that? Yeah, was it, that was two thousand. Was that year? Right, that was yeah. two thousand seven. He just carried them through Dallas. Yeah, and then it kind of becomes this thing where you look back and you're like, man, for the the resume that he had and for the Hall of Fame career that he had. To never have the award that celebrates the best. Because, I mean, oftentimes the Hall of Fame argument is was this guy ever the best player at his position at any stretch of time? And you had to say yes. But Luongo doesn't have the hardware to show for it, which is so bizarre, you know? And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why the decision was made the way that it was. Broder had had plenty of accolades prior to that, plenty of trophies, yeah. plenty of individual hardware. In retrospect, it looks like one of the biggest snubs in NHL awards history that Luongo never got a Vesna. Juan from Comox with a tough one. Ask us anything. If you had a chance to go back in time, would you rather have Canada lose to the Americans in 2010 in the gold medal game, but then have the Canucks win the 2011 Stanley Cup. Damn, and, Juan, that is tough. No, it isn't. Canucks. Uh, yeah, I'd Canucks. say yes. I, I would rather have had Canucks. that. I, I don't think it's that easy. Sure. Yes, it, it is for me. No. I mean, if you live no, in Vancouver, it is. it is, I think. It's, it's, it's terrible to say because that day that Canada won the gold yeah. was such a good day. You guys are grossly understating how dramatically different that day and that moment in time would have been if Canada lost. No, no. Yeah. I, rem- I remember. It, w- it would have just been down. It would have been, been brutal. It would have been brutal. It would have been brutal. Absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with that. It was the but last the Olympics night. was a waste of time. It, it would have been brutal, but the Canucks one was yeah, worse. But the Canucks one was worse. And the would Canucks be better. One is, the Canucks one is still with us. I a, suppose yes, you'd also have to consider that. It's like a ghost. If Canada. if Ghosts do exist. Some sort of ghost alien. If the if here's something to definitely consider in this conversation, if Canada had lost, the end of the Olympics in 2010, that final day would have been different. Sure, 
it would not have resulted in a full scale riot where the city burned. Well, I think the I, think, I don't think I think, so. think there's still yeah. I think there still might have been a riot if the Canucks had won that game. Yeah. But it would have been a happy riot. Yeah, it would have been a happier riot. People would have been building cars. It would have been a riot. <laughs> shops. Would have, yeah, yeah, right? It would have been like roasting marshmallows yeah. on the fires and that sort of thing. It would, have been, it would have been a lot Kumbaya. more joy. Yeah. No, but I do think there still could have been trouble downtown because I think there were just so many people downtown. And uh, Anyway, we don't need to revisit that. But, no. But I would have I would have definitely taken that. Because okay. you know, here's another thing. I've seen Canada win. I've seen Canada win a bunch of times. Yeah, it would have been disappointing that it happened in Vancouver, but what a story it would have been if Canada loses that game and then, you know, a, a year later or whatever it was, a year and a half later, the Canucks then win the Stanley Cup. I disagree with both of you that it's an easy choice. However, having worked through the process and the goal of Ask Us Anything is to provide an answer and not say, I don't know, it is the right answer. We've convinced Halford. Yeah. Well, that's what that's the whole point of this thing, is it not? Is it to browbeat someone until they agree with you because yes. they don't want to argue it anymore? Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll take an early one. Uh, we got to come back. We still need to do. Do we still need to do an NFL lock of the week? I know we had our playnow.com locks. We can of the go week, through the lines, yeah. But sure. we, yesterday we decided to wager on the American Hockey League and today's Bahrain Canada match. Which, by the way, Canada is not holding up there under the bargain right now. I picked them to win in Bahrain, one point seven five odds. They were the favorites. Tied one one and a half. Well, you know the Abbotsford Canucks didn't come through for me either last night. They beat the Henderson Silver Knights, but only by one goal. I thought you were getting greedy on the puck line. I'm just going to throw that out there. Thought you could have just taken them on the money line. Henderson just <laughs> Henderson just lost seven nothing to San Diego. I guess they were looking for a bounce back after I was that. Say, they, were they, were mo- they were a motivated team. They were like, "This is not Silver Knights hockey. This is not what we <laughs> over our what two year." <laughs> Existence. Didn't the coach actually say we weren't playing up to an AHL level? Is Henderson in place? Yes, in Nevada. I didn't yeah. know that. Henderson, Nevada. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about it, to well, be learned. honest. I know it exists, mm-hmm. but I don't know an awful lot about it. I'm assuming it's like Reno, but worse. <laughs> um, Reno if Ned Fighters don't run it. Yeah, right? pretty much. Anyway, we got a lot more to get to on the show. We'll run through the, some uh, NFL lines real quick. We'll do what we learned. We'll do Ask Us Anythings. We'll cap off a Friday show. This is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's Jason Bruff here for Capital Direct. A flexi line by Capital Direct allows you to manage. Eight twenty nine on a Friday. Halford Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Finally, the pre-Black Friday sale is on now at Rogers. Get an iPhone 13 for $5 a month with eligible trade on financing and upfront edge. Details on the internet. At Rogers.com. And we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Let's do some uh, National Football League betting lines. We haven't done this in a while. Old school Halford and Bruff, Curtin Blog esque, even, where we run through a bunch of the lines from Sunday's action. But uh, we're pre- look, we've been previewing this weekend almost all show. 
Saturday is going to be really cool because you've got the Canucks and the Leafs, Hockey Night in Canada, 4 o'clock. It's also Hockey Hall of Fame induction weekend, so the Sedins and Luongo are going to be front and center. Sunday, you got the Lions and the Bombers, so that's great. And then you've also got this entire slate of NFL games, including the Seahawks and Bucks in Germany. So it's, a, it's another awesome sports weekend. NFL Week 10 kicked off last night with just an incredible game between the Panthers and the Falcons. Oof. I know everyone was glued to this game, the Panthers improved to three and seven with a 25-15 win over the Falcons, who fell to four and six. Sunday gets started in Germany, in Munich, between the Seahawks and the Buccaneers. The Seahawks are six and three, and yet still no respect. Don't get this for line the at all. Seahawks. Tampa Bay is a two and a half point favorite over the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about this game and we previewed it with Brady Henderson. So let's move on to the Vikings and the Bills. This is a big one. This is a big one for the Vikings who go into Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are three-and-a-half-point favorites, but I suppose the status of Josh Allen is up in the air. Yeah, I'm surprised this line isn't frozen in a few places because there's a pretty significant difference between the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen at quarterback and the Buffalo Bills with Case Keenum at quarterback, right? And you're getting a Minnesota team that, I mean – I don't know if it's real or if it's a tad fraudulent, but the record is is the record. They're one of the best teams in the NFC right now. I still have a hard time getting behind Kirk Cousins, although this isn't a primetime game. Make note of that. He's much better in the mornings than he is in the evenings, but Kirk Cousins going to a very difficult environment in Buffalo. Ah, God, I understand how influential and important Josh Allen is to that offense. From a betting perspective, you might just want to stay away from this one. Also, I'd throw down on Buffalo regardless. There, I said it. Probably stay away from watching the Lions and the Bears. Although the Bears, you know. It's a gross football game. I hate that football game. I don't know. The the Lions are two and six. The Bears are three and six. The Bears are two and a half point favorites. Another game coming up here with some questions at the quarterback position. Denver. At Tennessee, Tennessee is a three-point favorite in this one, and it sounds like Ryan Tannehill is going to play. He was a full participant at practice recently, so it sounds like he's going to play against the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are running out of time to turn this season around. Uh, The Tennessee Titans nearly pulled off the upset of the Kansas City Chiefs, and they continue to get their – they're, I think they're the most disrespected team mm-hmm. in the NFL. Uh, Tannehill didn't play against the Chiefs, correct? No, it was Malik Willis, uh, and who they nearly was and, marginally better yeah, than his he, first performance. He barely threw any passes. Yeah, exactly. Right? But the first game he was awful, and he turned the ball over. But so. they still managed to nearly win that game, which is impressive. Speaking of those Chiefs, they're uh, at home at Arrowhead, and they're big nine and a half point favorites over the Jacksonville. Jaguars. Line's too big. That's all I'll say is that the the Chiefs have had a couple of lopsided victories, but they seem to be playing a lot more teams closer than they have in previous years. And I don't know what to think make. the line's too big for Jacksonville? Yeah, Jacksonville's coming off a big win against the Raiders last week. Big comeback victory. The Jacksonville Jaguars are significantly better than they were last year. Raiders stink. Uh, I would actually take Jacksonville plus nine and a half easy. In, in this case, one. easy? Yeah. In KC? I wouldn't make it my lock of the week, but I would throw down on that. Okay. My yeah. lock of the week is now KC minus nine and a half at home. Too big. The Jacksonville Jaguars, because I feel like Halford is reading this one wrong, but that's fine. I read these things wrong too. Andy is just hustling over because I just made the Chiefs minus nine and a half my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Nicely done. 
you know who my lock? I like how I decided mine based on something that you said, and then I was just like completely the opposite. That's my lock of the week. My lock of the week is going to be Indianapolis plus four and a half in Las Vegas. This is the this is the biggest <laughs> new coach bump in the history of new coach bumps ever, ever. This is so obvious what's going to happen here. Is they're going to come out with an inspired performance and for one week. They're going to make Jeff Saturday look great. And then they're going to go back to being kind of an average to subpar football team. Uh, I the, the, the Raiders, uh, we haven't talked about it enough. The most disappointing team in the NFL this year. For sure. There is no way that they should have as bad of a record as they do with the amount of talent that they have on that football team. And now, this week, with this passing game, which has put up numbers this year, no Darren Waller, no Hunter Renfro. I think this all signs point to Indy getting this done. I don't even care who's a quarterback for the Colts. Jeff Saturday, man. Jeff Saturday. Lock he, of the week. He's a quarterback? Jeff Saturday's gonna Lock play Jeff Saturday's gonna play center and he's gonna snap it to whoever's playing quarterback, and that's what's gonna get him to victory. Uh the Cleveland Browns, three and five. They're at the Miami Dolphins, six and three. The Dolphins are just three and a half point favorites in this one. We were talking about MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh Tua has a chance at the MVP. And Tyreek Hill probably has a chance at the MVP. Outside yeah. shot? Or Jalen Waddle. They, they, their offense, when it's going, is so much fun to watch because Tua, although he's limited as a quarterback, the, he, it's McDaniels figured out the best – sorry, Josh McDaniel. The, he figured out the best thing that Tua does well is get the ball out quickly and make all those short to intermediate throws and get the ball into the hands of the guys that can make plays because they're really fast. He's got two of them in Waddle. Tua has two of them huh, in Waddle and in Tyree Kill. The numbers for those guys are off the charts. Uh, just looking, by the way, at the updated uh, MVP odds uh, at Vegas Insider, which collects a bunch of different books. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Joe Burrow, and there's Geno Smith, who is in the conversation, but he's pretty far back that is, there. That like is crazy disrespect that Geno Smith is underneath Joe Burrow. Crazy disrespect. There's no conceivable reason why Joe Burrow should be ahead of well, Geno Smith in any MVP con- he's conversation. He's bounced back quite a bit, hasn't he, from the Burrow's tough start? Been, Burrow's been at best this year, above average. At right. best. And they're, an, they're a 500 football team. Uh, Houston at the New York Giants. New York Giants are four and a half point favorites in that one. Saints at the Steelers, the Saints are done. The Steelers are done. The Saints are one-and-a-half-point favorites in that one. We already mentioned Colts at Raiders for some reason. The Indianapolis Colts are Halford's lock of the week. I actually don't mind that. Yeah, the Raiders. The Raiders are kind of in, like, it's over <laughs> mode. Um, they're you know, packing I, it in. You see, a, their I think linebacker the, retired after playing 91% of the snaps on the weekend. Blake Martinez looked at everything and was like, ah, I'm going to retire. And then he just retired. Mike McCarthy returns to Green Bay. Uh, this is a enticing one just because of the the teams, uh, the Cowboys at the Packers. The Cowboys six and two. That's a, a really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers are three and six. That's not a good team right now. And the Cowboys go into Lambeau as a four and a half point favorite. If Aaron Rodgers is ever going to get up for a game. This would be the one, but I just don't know if he has the weapons or frankly, I don't, has he lost his, is he, is he running out of ability? Is he, there's is a, it's father time showing with Aaron Rodgers? There's a great conversation going on in Green Bay right now because uh, there are a lot of anonymous reports that Rodgers' teammates are getting upset about constantly being thrown under the bus when they're like, well, why don't you make better plays all the time? Yeah, he's the JT Miller of the Green Bay Packers. Honestly, and he's got, <laughs> here's the thing. The reason. Hey, that, stop yelling at us, Mr. Giveaway. The reason all of the, uh, 
sources are anonymous is because they're all Aaron Rodgers' teammates and they know yeah. that and they don't want it. Yeah, they don't want to be the one to talk. They don't want to be the one to speak out. But I Rodgers, I mean, he went on the Pat McAfee show this week and he said, you know, there's been some balls that I've underthrown and some throws that I've missed. Uh, so he acknowledged that he hasn't been perfect, but it was almost like too little too late because he spent the first seven weeks of the season lambasting yeah. his teammates, right? Uh, this is a big one for the NFC West. Well, is it? I don't even know. The Cardinals, 3-6. and six. At the Rams, 3-5. and five. Matt Stafford was in concussion protocol mm-hmm. this week. I, I, I have to admit, I don't know his status. So if you're betting on this game, definitely check out the status I don't know of who's Matt had a Stafford. More, who's had a more disappointing season, the Cardinals or the Rams? Probably the Rams. Although there's a Super Bowl hangover, maybe the Cardinals. I think when you win the Super Bowl, you're kind of like, yeah, we're on, whatever. Like, you know, I mean, the biggest issue for them is they might be done, as like that whole era. Well, they sold the farm in some right. ways to like, to... like Von Miller's obviously already gone. Aaron yeah. Donald's already talked openly about retirement. Yeah. So is Sean McVay. Matt Stafford at this point, if with all the health issues that he has, would you what, what do you need to come back for? Yeah, if you already won the cut, Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree. I, yeah. I I would consider it for sure. Uh, the Cardinals. I kind of want the Cardinals to win this one. Because I have no faith in them. Like, I just don't think they're a very good team. So, if they were to win and put the Rams to three and six, that would kind of bury the Rams. Uh, still, I think the favorite to win the NFC West is the 49ers. They're four and four, and they've got a big game. They're hosting the Chargers, who the Seahawks went, went down and beat mm-hmm. at SoFi. Uh, the 49ers are a big seven point favorite in this one, even though they're four and four, and the Chargers. Or five and three. Yeah, that's the primetime game, the Sunday nighter, Chargers 49ers. And this is just a battle of teams that have uh, complete injury nightmares for the Chargers. It's on offense. Like, none of their wide receivers are healthy. So, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is throwing to some guy named Bandy. They have a wide receiver. His, all I know is that his last name is Bandy. Anyway, uh, the 49ers have equally destructive injuries on the defensive side of things. But the 49ers, I think, justifiably, are big favorites here because their defense is good enough. And the offense now with McCaffrey in the mix can put up enough points where they don't have to, the defense doesn't have to mask Jimmy Garoppolo as much anymore. Right. I like the Niners. It's another line that I think might be too big, but I like the Niners. The Chargers are in, uh, they're five and three, but they've still been, in my eyes, just one of the more disappointing teams. Yeah, Herbert was good last week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Monday Nighter, the Commanders, front and center on primetime. I'm sure they'll be thrilled with that considering what's going around what's going on with this team right now uh the commanders are in philly to play the undefeated eagles philly this is the biggest line of the week the eagles are 11 point favorites in this one jalen hurts i uh, did do we mention him in the mvp conversation i think i did I yeah think he's it, number yeah. two right Ryan Mahomes. um the I'm alabama gonna... quarterbacks man like jalen hurts and tua mac jones well <laughs> Two out of three, man. Uh, I'll say, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Why the hell not? The Washington Commanders are going to hand the Philadelphia Eagles their first loss of the season on Monday Night Football. That's my that's my bold proclamation. <laughs> what? Can, yeah, they're eleven point dogs, what and makes, it's in Philly. Why? Why? And it's why in are Philly. you saying this? You know what? I've watched the last three Philly games, and yes, they've all been victories, but they've played gradually worse and worse in each of them. The first half of the last Philly game was dreadful football. Hurts put it together in the second half. It's a divisional rivalry. I'm not playing as anything other than a gut feel that like this is going to be one of those games where everyone expects Philly to win. It's in Philly. It's Monday Night Football. The Commanders do keep the games close. I mean, here the Commanders are. 
three and one in their last four. And that last loss was a 20 to 17 game against the, the Vikings where it was tight. They, they were on the losing end of it, but the commanders don't get you bring up a good point. The commanders don't get blown out. They haven't really suffered any blowout losses. They've had bad losses. Don't get me wrong. I don't know why. I think it's because they're 11 point dogs. I think it's because it's a classic NFC East rivalry game that are usually pretty tight. And here's the thing. It would almost behoove the Eagles to lose a game yeah. at some point and just get it out of the way. I don't know if they wanted to do it to Washington on Monday Night Football. I'm just saying, there's my, there's my, that's not my lock of the week. That's my bold play, the bold flavors play of the week. Okay, we don't have a drop for that, and that's fine. I wish we did. You can do something like some sort of Guy Fieri thing. With, you suck. That wasn't yeah, it. That works. That's fine though. It's very accurate. Okay, uh, let's do some uh, ask us anything's and what we learned. So let's uh, jump into. Now for my favorite part of the show. Right, the Dunbar Lumber text say? message. Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. Uh, so Adam, the former bath guy, has an Ask Us Anything. He, he writes, My girlfriend's birthday is a week before Christmas. Do I combine her birthday with Christmas, or should I do two separate celebrations? Well, okay. Adam, I have to ask you a question. Would you like her to still be your girlfriend in the new year, because if you don't, you go ahead and combine those two things and say, we're just going to have one big special day and everyone else gets two special days, but you'll only get one, but it'll be really special. On the other hand, if you love her and you would like to continue having her as your girlfriend, then don't combine them. Yeah, if your new year's resolution for 2023 is to be single, then go ahead <laughs> And do this. Otherwise, you have to have the clear designation. Because the other thing, too, I, my, my dad's birthday uh, was two days after Christmas. Yeah. He was on the 27th. So he had to deal with this his entire life. Um, you've met this woman, presumably, in her adulthood, meaning she has had a lifetime of having her birthday neglected because of Christmas. Yeah. You don't need to just... Uh, acknowledge the birthday, you need to go a step further. You mm, need to you, take it to like birthday level seven. Ab above and beyond, for yeah. sure. You need to make it a thing. You need to plan an event, some sort of dinner, uh, a night out, maybe tickets to a show. You might even want to say something like, I know that sometimes you feel overshadowed mm -hmm. by Christmas, but just know that you'll never be overshadowed and don't, to me. Don't do what they did to my dad, which was he got one sock for Christmas and the second sock for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but what that, a pair of socks it was. It seems and sounds funny at the time, like, ha-ha, but no, it just ruins essentially both days for the party involved. You got any additional? I feel like you want to say something, A-Dog, or did we cover it adequately? No, no, you covered it well. It just reminds me of my kid brother, uh, Charlie, because his Birthday is December 21st, and I, I know that we would always have to separate the two. Yeah. Because if not, it would just all hell would break loose. Yeah, Charlie's going to ruin Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Again. He will light the tree yeah. on fire. Um, here's one from Dan. This isn't Ask Us Anything. Uh, it's my kid's birthday this weekend. He doesn't want to party. Where should we take him for dinner? He's turning 10. Dan then throws out Chuck E. Cheese. Does Chuck E. Cheese still exist? Yeah, I wonder that too. Does Chuck E. Cheese? It, I it, loved that place as a kid. I oh, remember awesome. the one uh, in Coquitlam uh, when we were in high school. It turned into a Jolly Genies, and the only way I know this is that all of my buddies worked there, 
And so the funny thing was, did the, they just take everything that Chuck E. Cheese had and like stuck like you a know genie what? hat on top of a rat? <laughs> or why yeah, why does a genie look like a rodent? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the genie's eating copious amounts of cheese. That's <laughs> ah, the cheese genie. I don't know. You figure it out. So the best part of this was the entry level position at Jolly Genies as you worked your way up the hierarchy of jobs there. Guess what the entry level job was? I, rat? You had to wear the genie suit. Oh, oh. I, thought, see, I figured that would be the top job. No, it, once you no, get a top, Once not. you get a promotion and you and work like, your way to the top, all, you are the genie. All the degenerates that I hung out with in high school, like this, the moment that we figured out that we could get fake IDs and buy booze, that was what we were doing. So these guys would go in on Saturday mornings and do kids' birthday parties in the genie suit, just dry heaving into the head <laughs> of it. Like, oh, this is terrible. And then you would graduate from that job, move this on. genie smells like sadness. Yeah, it does. And, <laughs> and Dale, what, what's the Goldschlager? That was, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, to answer the question, though, for Dan, um, the modern experience with the, enter- uh, not the entertainment industry, the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry is they've designed these barcades so that adults have something to do and children have something to do. There's, I mean, there's a, a number of them now, right. right? But he doesn't want to party. He's, he's just going with his parents. But he said they're taking him out for dinner. Right. So take him to one of those ones. I love barcades. Yeah. There is a barcade called Barcade on Robson, which is really cool. Right. So find any number of these and then the kid, the, the kid will be entertained. Is there's, there's yeah. ski ball and I don't know. What, what else the kids play? Foosball? You're the one with some, the kid. You tell me. Some sort of duck hunt. Anyway, go to that. B- oh, what's the one with the shotgun? Uh, a lot With of the, the shotgun. Yeah, a lot of the it's it's, it's, it's very popular in the American ones. Uh, is it Buck Hunter? Maybe. Is it? I, I mean, they are like, what's the restaurant, the, the restaurant with the shotgun? Not the restaurant with the shotgun. I don't know. I've been there. The stand-up gigantic arcade game with the shotgun. I think it's Buck Hunter. Yeah, Buck that sounds Hunter. right. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So take them to one of those and have a good time, and then the adults get to have an evening. You get to go for dinner, and the kid gets to play some video games. Boom. Done. What we learned from Alistair in Clearwater, I learned that this year's Canucks team is exactly one point worse through 14 games than last year's Canucks team was through 14 games. I didn't think a worse start was possible, but apparently that was a pretty low bar to clear with this core. Yeah, uh, the Canucks... How did the actual first 10 or 14 games go? It wasn't last season. Last season. Oh, it it was it was it wasn't bad or it wasn't good, but it wasn't like they lost their first five or six in a row. It it things got worse after 14 games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like then the, okay, well here's like what it, I remember. It didn't start out well, but then it got worse. Here's what I remember specifically. There was a stretch, because I think I actually wrote about this. There was a stretch in November, mid-November, where they went down and got absolutely pantsed against Anaheim, Vegas, and Colorado in a three-game stretch. I think they got outscored something in the neighborhood of 20-6. to And I remember yeah. that being... 7-1, 7-4, 5-1. And then they came home and lost again to Colorado, 4-2. And then three or four games later was the Pittsburgh game yeah. and then the firing. So for that point... The Canucks were basically playing NHL 500 hockey or just below it. And that was right up until the – put it this way. Really simple, best explanation. At this time last year, the Canucks were hovering around NHL 500. It wasn't a great start, but it wasn't a debacle. They got it up to 5-6-1 at one point. Right. As opposed to this year where even if if you were to somehow try and find a positive spin on the record, 
Like, there's teams that have worse records, and they do. Uh, the performances have been so spotty and so erratic, and at times so bad. The, the record is almost secondary. What we learned, Ed the Knucklehead, I learned that everyone and their dogs knows Bruce was never going to be re-signed to an extension. Players know this, and whether it's consciously or subconsciously, they're tuning him out. Okay, I guess in theory, but isn't the tuning the coach out narrative, doesn't that usually play out not with a player's coach? Like, it, it, it doesn't it more happen with a guy that really plays like a demanding, structured game where they're like, you have to be in this position or else. Yeah, like, well, uh, Sutter, Sutter is the type of guy that will get tuned out. Do you remember when the LA Kings locked him out of the dressing room? Yeah, and that's because they're just like, we're sick of it. Like Tortorella? Of, yeah, we're sick, sick of, of the, you saying yeah. the same stuff over and over and treating us like, you know what, right? Like, I don't think Bruce... Isn't it more likely they're tuning each other out and just playing for themselves? Yes. Doesn't that, yes, isn't I, that more likely? I think that's more um, likely, yeah. yes. I also just sure. I also just think it's the proof of concept that the team last year, what they were doing last year was unsustainable. I don't think it's about tuning out the coach or trying to make a statement. I just think that they're probably playing... Uh, a little bit more structured, less risky, daring hockey than last season. And they're getting subpar goaltending. Yeah, that Demko's not carrying them. Right. I mean, and the beginning of the season, their opponents are taking them much more seriously than last year where everyone was like, oh, it's the Canucks. They're done, right? So I think all of these dynamics are playing into it. Um, the only added dynamic is that the call from up high has happened. The call from the president of Hockey Ops, which was very scathing, has happened. That's the big difference. We never had that last year. Uh, Brad with an ask us anything. Why does this market only talk about Rutherford and not Patrick Alvine? For example, we never hear about Shanahan. It's always Kyle Dubas. Seems strange. Yeah, there's a few reasons for this. First of all, um, Jim Rutherford says interesting stuff. Yeah, that's Patrick true. Alvine doesn't really. Jim Rutherford is uh, less careful with his words than Patrick Alvine. Um, he says things that get debated. He's also the president of Hockey Ops. He's Patrick Alvin's boss. Um, now, Trevor Linden was the president of Hockey Ops, but there was always that, you know, like, is he more of a, a figurehead than he is actual president of Hockey Ops? Uh, you know, Jim Rutherford has been a general manager. He was most recently a general manager in Pittsburgh where he won a couple of Stanley Cups. So I think that's the reason why um, Patrick Alvin is not a well-known name. Yeah, I you also know he's I a rookie general manager who a lot of people didn't really like. I, how many people out there before Patrick Alvin was named general manager or he came on the radar as a potential candidate to be the general manager in Vancouver? How many people had heard of him? I hadn't heard of him. No, it wasn't very well known in, ter in terms of that executive game where those other names are household names. I do think that this is playing the one thing that's actually playing out like they thought it would this year is the how the infrastructure was supposed to work. and like being the face but the day-to-day -day, the grunt work maybe the stuff that you don't necessarily need to relay that's Alvin's job but I do I do have questions on how involved Rutherford is Very. on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> I have a lot of questions I, I have a lot of questions about how much autonomy Patrick Alvin has to to make trades and you know is Rutherford actively involved in those trade talks? Uh, they're not going to tell us these sorts of things, but if I would like to know. We all want to know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, before we finish the show, uh, it is Remembrance Day today, and uh, I just want to say thank you 
to all those who have served and sacrificed for Canada. Um, I want to say thank you to those who continue to serve Canada. Um, I know that the people that do these jobs are not in it for the accolades. They're not in it for the pats on the back. But I think it's important that we do say that we appreciate these people and we can't possibly understand the sacrifice that these people truly take on a day-to-day basis. Um, We think about about the lives that were lost in places like Afghanistan. But we also have to think about the people that serve our country and struggle when they return Mm -hmm. because of the things that they've seen in action. And we need to remember to support these people because they are sacrificing for us, for our country. And Mike and I and Andy and Laddie at home, we just wanted to say thank you and we appreciate you. What a lovely and perfect note to go out on. We are out of here for today, but we will be back on Monday. Thank you all once again for listening. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He has been A-Dog. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.